Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, October 21st, and this is your FT News Briefing. We're bringing you a very techie show today. First, some very different quarterly earnings from Netflix and Snap. Then the Department of Justice goes after Google. And while we're on the topic, how are the US and Europe diverging when it comes to their approach to controlling big tech? We'll take a look. I'm Mark Filipino. Here's the news you need to start your day. A tale of two tech companies in their very different earnings reports. Let's start with the good. Snap posted record revenues and brought in the highest ever number of advertisers to its platform last quarter. Revenues at Snapchat's parent company jumped 52% in the third quarter to $679 million, crushing analyst expectations. Here's what happened, according to Snap Chief Financial Officer Derek Anderson. Advertisers were fed up with Facebook for its stance on hate speech and content moderation at the height of the George Floyd protests. And when they boycotted Facebook, these advertisers looked to put their money elsewhere. Cue Snap, which was there waiting. Investors liked what they heard yesterday, and shares in Snap rose nearly 20% in after-hours trading. Now, the not-so-good. Netflix. It looks like the streaming subscription boom from pandemic lockdown life has faded. Netflix only added a little more than 2 million subscribers last quarter. To put that into context, Netflix added 16 million subscribers in the first quarter and 10 million subscribers in the second quarter. The company said if the world recovers from the pandemic in 2021, subscriber additions will probably be down compared with this year. Netflix shares slid as much as 6% in after-hours trading. The U.S. Department of Justice has been busy lately. Among the highlights, the DOJ and global authorities came to a settlement with Goldman Sachs regarding the 1MDB money laundering and bribery scandal. Goldman will have to pay $2 billion in new fines. And then yesterday, the Justice Department came out with something else. It accused Google of suppressing competition, calling the tech giant a monopoly gatekeeper for the internet. It's by far the most high-profile antitrust case by the U.S. government since it took on Microsoft in the 90s. I'm joined by the FT's Kadam Schubert, our U.S. legal and enforcement correspondent. Kadam, what exactly is the DOJ accusing Google of here? The central part of the case is Google's search business. At the heart of the case is allegations that Google uses deals with distributors such as mobile phone manufacturers or wireless carriers to make sure that its search engine is the default that customers in the U.S. see whenever they use their devices. The argument that DOJ makes is these exclusivity arrangements are central to the maintenance of its monopoly and central to its efforts to stop rivals from eating away at that business. Now, as I mentioned before, this looks and and feels a lot like the Microsoft antitrust case in the late 1990s. Uh, What does that case tell us about what's going on here with Google? So the, the Microsoft case is relevant in two ways. One way is obviously that it is the major precedent for a significant action like this. The Microsoft case in the 1990s was the last time that the U.S. government went toe-to-toe with a technology giant over an antitrust issue. But the second way it's relevant is that there's a pretty direct parallel between the allegations against the conduct in the Microsoft case and the alleged conduct in the Google case. At the heart of both cases is this claim that the company is securing its monopoly position by using exclusivity arrangements, by using tying arrangements that push potential rivals 
out of the market. And in fact, in the the DOJ's lawsuit against Google, you know, they make this parallel explicit. And they say, quote, back then Google claimed Microsoft's practices were anti-competitive, and yet now Google deploys the same playbook to sustain its own monopolies. So the DOJ is very explicitly saying this is the same case. And it's not just Google under the microscope when it comes to big tech. Just rewind to July's congressional tech antitrust hearings with America's other tech giants, Apple, Amazon, and Facebook. But these companies have attracted a lot of other criticism, too. For example, tax avoidance. And earlier we mentioned Facebook's issue with content moderation. The problem is that competition regulation and tax systems were not designed for the way these companies operate. They've been able to keep their tax bills low, swallow up potential competitors, and govern themselves, all without breaking any rules. But now, there are some serious moves being made to regulate big tech, and Richard Waters, our West Coast editor, is here to discuss some of them. Richard, I want to start with tax. It's something that everyone from the EU to the OECD is discussing when it comes to big tech companies. What's going on out there right now? You start with the hard one, Mark, because this is a massively complex topic. Obviously, international tax avoidance is something that multinational companies, not just in big tech, but, you know, broadly have been practicing for years. And what they benefit from is disagreement amongst major companies in how their tax system should work. There are signs that maybe something's going to give here. We've seen countries like France take unilateral action. You know, they basically had enough of seeing these very large foreign companies essentially become, you know, significant media players in their own markets without paying really any tax on what they're doing there. And they've stepped in and said, you know, we think this is the level of economic activity you engage in here. We're going to use that as the basis for taxing you. And it's actions like that that are going to force people's hands, I think. You know, obviously, Facebook's taken some heat when it comes to the way it handles content for a while. Why are people especially upset during this election cycle? You know, remember the last presidential election we had was when fake news, the phrase fake news came about then. So coming into this election, Facebook has decided to do something about it. They're essentially, you know, throwing some friction into their own machine. They're slowing the spread of some things, putting labels on Donald Trump's tweets, which he hates. And I think this is the problem now that we run into is purely political, that the politicians are seeing their own attempts to manipulate be controlled by the media companies, the platforms, and they don't like it. And so we're getting pushback. Yeah, you know, and especially in the past few days, uh, Senate Republicans are expected to vote on whether to subpoena Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg and Twitter's Jack Dorsey over both sites restricting the viewing and sharing of a New York Post article about Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden. You know, Twitter said the article violated its policies about hacked materials. Conservatives say it was a partisan bias. Um, Richard, what are authorities doing in both the U.S. and Europe, and what effect would it have on these tech companies? You know, the Republicans and the White House are essentially saying, because, you know, you tech companies are abusing your powers to, to prevent our, our political conversation spreading in the way that it should, you're censoring us. We're going to take away, or they're threatening to take away, one of the key protections that all companies have online. What the Republicans are saying is if you selectively take down information or block some information spreading, then you should lose the privileges that you have 
that free you from being sued. If they do that, the consequences are really quite ugly because it means that it'll be very hard for companies to moderate content. I mean, Europe is going in the opposite direction. You know, Europe has a Digital Services Act coming and they're saying, you know, we want to put more limits on the information that can spread. We want to extend that uh, definition of what's illegal, what's unacceptable, and we want companies to take on more responsibility to prevent it spreading. A lot of these tech companies are reactive, right? They're told by governments what they should do, and they do them. But, you know, are there any proactive moves by tech companies to try and work with governments, to try and collaborate? And and how are these efforts going? Well, I guess the disappointing answer is not really. But, you know, it's not a surprising stance they're taking right now. You know, they're keeping their powder dry. The tech companies are saying, look, you know, they're standing back. They're saying, let's see how all this coalesces first. You know, the politics are just coming together. They're further ahead in Europe than they are in the US. So I think the big tech companies are saying, you know, trying to present themselves as good citizens. In the US, they're trying to present themselves as national champions and a counterweight to China. And they're waiting to see. Richard Waters is our West Coast editor. He covers all things tech for the FT. Thanks, Richard. Yeah, it's good to talk to you, Mark. Before we go, if you want to hear a different perspective on the EU's tech regulation saga, Facebook's vice president of global affairs and the former deputy prime minister of the UK, Nick Clegg, wrote an opinion piece about it in the FT. I'll link to it in the show notes. You can read that and all of the stories we covered today on FT.com. This has been your daily FT news briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium.